Blog Talk Radio. about seeing that you're talking about a people that have been so dehumanized 
that they don't even see their own worth enough or see themselves worthy enough to participate in the own direction of their lives, let alone on a revolutionary front. So the revolutionary's job, then, our job has to become one of inspiring. We have to be like somewhat like a race-related cheerleader. We have to start to inspire and stoke the fires of self-determination, self-pride, and worth in our people again to get them not only to um, start to want to do better, which translates into better actions, but to participate in a movement that that makes us all do better. You know, that's what we're that's what we're looking at. I'm sorry. Um, that's that's what we're looking at, and that's our whole thing. So what is the black disconnect? So where does the black disconnect uh, the black disconnect come into? How does that come about? Why is that fostered? You know, one of the other things that I see is the strong teachings of black nationalism aren't there. I'm gonna go on and say it. I mean, the teachings are there. You know, they're etched in time. From Martin Delaney to uh, Malcolm and the black nationalism, the teachings of black nationalism are there, but the proponents of it, the people pushing black nationalism, the platform for black nationalist agenda, black nationalist ideology, really being pushed and then programs to implement the, uh, implement the ideology into actions, practical actions for the people aren't there. You're not seeing it. What it's been replaced by is some multicultural, hanky-panky, so-called universal consciousness, whatever the hell that means. We become the conscious community. But does that provide a clear-cut goal objective? I mean, it's something, sure, it's something. It awakens in us, you know, maybe things that had lain dormant. What I mean by that is saying, you know, yeah, if it ties you to a comedic, uh, tradition or a, some cement, some Semitic uh, tradition like, you know, the Hebrew Israelites or Islam, whatever, that's fine. That's fine if that opens up. I'm not talking about that, you know. But what I'm talking about is a real political, social, cultural, economic agenda for the empowerment of all people of African descent right here in America it doesn't speak to. So when you have people that don't subscribe to that type of thinking, that they're not, they don't want your religion, you know what I'm saying? They're living a life, but they want to see their people empowered. The black liberation movement doesn't speak to that. When we talk about black nationalism being placed on a platform, a spokesman for black nationalism, it seems like, and this is how I know that a lot of this is by design. There's no way in the world, in the hell, those of us, you and I, who are black nationalists, revolutionary black nationalists, revolutionary pan-Africanists, would choose for spokesmen of black nationalism some of the people we have seen paraded before us. We know that these people are paraded for a reason. There's no way that you and I have elected this brother or that sister to be a spokesman of black. In fact, I think some of us have personally told these Negroes to shut their mouths. So we know that's by design. So when you look at the people that's... uh, 
paraded in front of the masses or the multitudes as champions of black nationalism and a black nationalist agenda, they look like madmen. They look like fanatics. They look fascist. And from rhetoric to dress, reminiscent of some fascist shit, because that's, you know, where we take our dress cues from. <laughs> I don't know what, what's up with it, but. And so you have these sincere, well-meaning brothers and sisters that feel themselves isolated or don't, don't feel welcome or don't see their place in contributing or being a part of that understanding of black nationalist empowerment, black empowerment. And what we'll do instead of us making it inviting, we'll begin to ostracize them. We have lost the socialization in our movement. We've let other things replace the morals and the ethics and the proper way to socialize with one another. We've replaced it with all of these various understandings. And at the end of the day, they don't edify anything at the, you know, what they end up doing is creating more confusion and strife. So we understand that black nationalism is the answer. But how do we get the masses of people to begin to connect to a black nationalist understanding so it will affect practical changes in their life, realistic changes in their life? We're tired of being lied to. We're tired of being disillusioned. We're tired of being... Uh, bamboozled and all the other things that come with being put asleep. The black man and woman are tired of it. We're moving into a new decade. And we have seen conditions gradually grow worse right before our very eyes, and we still feel unable to affect some type of change. And And those of us that not only feel unable, that have a little bit of understanding feel frustrated to see the masses of us herded like cattle, led like sheep to slaughter, right before our very eyes, with blatant, obvious schemes. And then those of us, you and I, who are calling ourselves revolutionary, calling ourselves champions of black nationalism. And when I say champions of black nationalism, understanding the components of black nationalism, two of the major components of black nationalism is unity and solidarity, Don't add, don't contribute, don't call to the unification and the solidarity, the solidifying of um, direction, movement, getting on one accord and one page. Because we still think we have the luxury of starting parties or being leaders of parties to stoke and feed our egos. We still think that we have that luxury, and that's what's unfortunate, because we don't. So when we're not on that page, we have these people out here who are ready to participate in something that would contribute to a better lifestyle but don't see their place in it. They don't see their place in it. We have to begin to politicize the movement. The movement has become a movement of reactionaries, Demagoguery, sensationalism, and rhetoric It has become a place of feel good Get it off your chest Say what what you want to say That's what the movement has become 
It's become a place of feel good. Get it off your chest. Say what you say what you want to say. And there's been no accountability and no responsibility to it. And it left it is left it open. And and listen, here's the here's the downside of that. When we don't present a strong front, when we don't one of the things of accepting black nationalism, understanding black nationalism, understanding one of the tools that will further push the agenda of black nationalism, which is what the empowerment, the liberation, the complete and total um, black nationalism is this. What we're saying black nationalism is. Black nationalism is our right to evolve naturally without the willful or the intentional hindrance, obstruction, or placing of obstacles that would prevent or pervert that, that natural evolution. That's what we're saying. We're saying leave us alone. We understand that you have, it is designed, you, have, you are, have placed us under attack. That's what we're saying. And black nationalism, it being natural, says that anything being raised and groomed under such conditions will have a, um, it should grow, a shell, a defensive and protective measure to protect itself. And in the meanwhile, while protecting itself, ensuring, uh, ensuring that, um, ensuring the uh, continuance of its species, of its ethnicity. I see you call 901, and we're going to go to it. In fact, let's go to the phone lines. Let's do that. Open up this one. Hello? Hello? Call it, yeah, call it 901. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. How about it? I'm doing all right. Um, my name is Anthony Eastock Ishtelolo Figueroa. I come from the Brown Berets Party of Memphis, Tennessee. And I uh, just wanted to thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and um, you have my complete, we've been brothers, Black Panthers and Brown Berets, we've been brothers in this movement and struggle since the 60s. And uh, it's definitely an honor to be here. Right on, right on. Well, man, yeah, it's an honor to have you. I'm glad that you uh, chimed in. Did you want to see, you know, say a few things, send over some questions, or maybe have a comment or anything? Um, yes. Um, so, from my perspective personally, and uh, what I like to present to our comrades um, within our group and other groups that we're in solidarity with, is that anti-colonialism is a situation. Um, where it's not just a throw around word. Um, in 2018, this in this society, um, due to the social justice uh, warriors and uh, liberalism, neoliberalism, etc., um, you have a slew of people who are quick to get on the front of activism and are quick to talk about identity when they have no clue what that really entails from an anti-colonial standpoint. And they're quick to be pacifists. They're quick to stand and um, between people who are armed against other people who are armed. Uh, for instance, um, the white nationalist socialist community, uh, they're quick to, you know, they're quick to gather arms. They're quick to train. They're quick to tell their youth um, that they need to defend themselves. Why, cannot, why can't we? 
why are we in this position where we have to be passive aggressive as opposed to them who are training and being soldiers for their white nationalist structure, which opposes our liberation and opposes our freedom? Um, why, can, why can't we um, create guerrilla regime and forces that can um, also oppose those who are basically following, following the oppressor in a form of resistance against us when they have no reason to resist us? They're in a situation where they are the commoner. They are the colonizer. Um, so in this time where that's an issue, um, and I'm sorry, I sound like I'm kind of uh, rambling and going off on different topics, but no, you're it all ties into one thing, um, identity. Um, until we know where we come from, until we know who our ancestors were, we will not fall into a combatant mentality like our ancestors were in. You know, we, we forget um, that we're indigenous people on the Mexican and Chicano side of things. We forget that our ancestors were Mexica, Maya, Taromara, um, that the largest population of indigenous people still to this day resides in Mexico. People forget that. Our languages were not Spanish. Our identity was not Spanish, and our location was not Spanish. Um, that was through colonialism, just as the same as the American, just as the same as the British, just as the same as the French. And we totally forget that. We call ourselves Latino and Hispanic, just as the African today calls themselves African-American or black. And, and those terms I don't understand because it's – still hanging on to a threat of colonialism, no matter how woke, wherever that came from, no matter how woke you think that you are, I don't think you're quote-unquote woke enough if you still cling on to these colonial identities and if you still don't understand that our ceremonies were something that we had for a reason. Um, mm -hmm. Our ancestors sacrificed the enemy because it kept a population control and kept people at bay from entering into our communities with hostility and invasive um, mindset. It told mm -hmm. them don't come into our territories unless you want your heart ripped out your chest. Quite literally, we're not doing these mm -hmm. things anymore because of laws that have been uh, enforced by a colonial entity and, and pushed through fear um, in their agenda to tell us that we should be afraid of prison, we should be afraid of death, when in reality, if we all rose up, we wouldn't have to fear those things because mm -hmm. we are the majority. I, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And I agree. There's so many things that, you know, to touch on. Um, I guess we go back, let's go back to the very beginning and try to briefly touch on that. And because I see you, uh, Carla, too, we're going to come to you. I'm opening you in a moment. Uh, the first thing I think that yeah, at this time of at this time of conflict, you know, you're going to have those entities, especially those nationalist parties, where you talk about you know these identity parties that will come in and try to be buffer zone. I'm, my father and I were talking about that earlier. That buffer zone Negro, that that voice between the two, that understands they smell violence in the air. They understand that violence uh, is uh, unavoidable, unavoidable. You know what I'm saying? That it's inevitable. The confrontation, the conflict is inevitable. The violence begets violence. And they smell it in there, the people, and they're going to step in 
They're going to be, because these are some of the same people that rely, their bread and butter comes from uh, and has come from being that buffer zones, Negro, and ensuring certain institutions of the state exist. You know what I'm saying? So they're going to do what they're going to do. Um, I think right. that identity, I, you know, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But, you know, we know that those of us that study revolution know that that's inevitable. Uh, I think, right. though, when we talk about identity, especially for the African-American, the black, whatever, see, the fact that we don't even have a title to call ourselves is has been a disadvantage, but now it is time that we flip it around and, and let it, allow it to become our advantage. I love how you were able to rattle off the people that you came from, the tribes that you came from, the African here in America, the black man and woman here in America don't have that advantage. But that disadvantage at the same time allows us to embrace a whole different um, and and cultural understanding with remnants of everything that we have come from. I think that's you know what I, I, would... I think that oh, – let me just finish mean... this one thing. I think go, that go, go, go ahead. I'm sorry. And finish this one thought. I think one of our biggest one of our biggest problems has been our running from who we are, our ancestry, of being mm-hmm. the descendants of freed African people that were once enslaved, or you know wherever you came from that were manipulated and manhandled by you know uh, European influence and contact, and you know coming coming from that and coming out of that experience. I think us, the shame of it, and us being made to feel shamed about it has allowed us to run everywhere. We will be some of everybody but who we are. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. the sad part. That's where we miss out on the power and the solidarity unity. Go ahead. I'm going to give you a couple more minutes to speak, and I'm going to go to my phone line. Well, um, what I would like to see are communities based in ancestral ways of life, for instance, I would like to see some of these buildings topple to the ground and become jungles. And I would like to see communities of traditional Africanism where um, even through a pan-African ideology or identity where black people will rise up in resistance like they did in Haiti, like they did with Nat Turner, et cetera. And in a time where uh, our communities our communities can do the same in our territories that uh, have always been ours, such as um, California, Utah, Arizona, New Mexico, uh, Mexico, et cetera, and Arizona, um, Colorado. Um, I would like to see that time where we reclaim what is ours and to be able to hold our ground in a, in, a, in a region where they no longer know where they are. I would like to see New York City become Mohawk and uh, Oneida. I would like to see South Dakota become all Lakota and Dakota um, and Nakota. Well, brother, and, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you because I'm going to shut you there. And it sounds good. I have no idea what, you know, what these places are. But I mean, mm-hmm. if if it sounds good to you, then I'm I'm, I'm sure it's, it's probably going to be good to you. I think I'm gonna say this, and and I'm gonna go to my phone lines. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when we talk about that traditional Africanism and understanding it from that perspective, like I said, it goes back to this is what makes uh, the African here in America that that much dynamic and unique. I don't know if some of us would actually want to embrace that far back because we're so diverse in our makeup. You know, we have been, you know, um, just we're no, we're no longer, we're from those tribes, but no, no longer that one particular tribe. 
and then just the whole mixture of it. So we are diverse. We're diverse people embracing where we came from, whatever perspective you came from, as what I say, as your base core and accepting the other things that go into making who you are or what you are as a people. And that goes even from the experience. We look at, like, one of the people I cite, um, the Jews. You know, the Jews got Hasidic Jews, Orthodox Jews, that Jew, this, whatever Jews. But one of the things they all will embrace and have in common that have compelled them, that have they've used it as a rally point in their organization and building communities is what happened to them, uh, the Holocaust. You know what I'm saying? They even told their motto is never again or never again or at least we forget or something to that effect. It's a part of their curriculum. They teach it to their children. They on the lookout for the rise of dictatorships and fascism and anything that could harm them as a people. That's what we just have to begin to um, understand. So, you know, we don't, we, we don't have the luxury as African people here to quibble over uh, a cultural identity, you know what I'm saying, to the point where we're divided. The experience of being melanated well, with that, here. With that being understood, well, we're definitely mm-hmm. right with you, and we'll always be brothers. We'll I'm, always be allies right and, and solidarity. I appreciate that, brother. Let me go to my phone, and I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that call, brother. That means, that means the world. Let me go to my phone lines, uh-huh. open it up. Bless. Two one, bless. Two one six, five three six three. Your mic is open. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Black power. Black power. Okay, uh, yeah, this is uh, this gentleman, Brother Kahar, from Cleveland. And uh, I'm glad we're back online, and I just want to share some things in the language. The Jews had a holocaust, and we had a hell of a cost, and we're still paying the hell of a cost. <laughs> and under yeah. uh, Trump, this is where we got to become most studious and scientific revolutionary. The whole question of immigrants, we are not immigrants. We are the descendants and victims of a crime of genocide. That's why we ask for reparation. We get away from the real issue that's going to deal with us in terms you not an American. The Constitution and all the rules and regulations that they set, and Trump came and said the good old days, he's talking about the Confederate Army, he's talking about the land grab, he'll talk about Medicaid, he's talking about all that, that we are not allowed to have that because we are not citizens, and he's not saying that opening, but it's coming out, we're not citizens, why? Because... We are victim of a crime that was committed against a people. Now, I ain't never seen nobody else, that's true, indigenous people. We talk about indigenous people. Uh, we talked about the Alamo, you know, and we cover everything, but we don't talk about the hell of a cost and holocaust that you and I went through and because. We have been lullabied by the imams, the ministers, uh, the sheikhs, and all them have put us in a pacification program. The Black Panther Party and Brown Marais, as this brother know, I was with them. 
organized also with the Young Lords Party, also, also with the American Indian Movement. We've been, we believe in a movement uh, of humanity, oppression uh, against humanity. We also have to realize that we have to take care of our house first. Name ain't going to do from mm. Africa, we call ourselves Nubians, we call ourselves Moors, we call ourselves everything else. But what the cracker call us, he don't call us Nubians, he don't call us Moors, he call us pimps and whores and criminals. So he mm. done criminalized a whole generation of brothers and sisters. It ain't the language, it's the program that's going to get our people to go back and say, let's go back. And let's you know what, Chamika? Huh? Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to finish your thought. Okay. I'm saying we need to go back and lay back on the ship. What happened to us that created this Negro? And the same process that created this Negro is still in the working now. The Caucasian on the white nationalism, they understood that. And they still understand that today. But do the church understand that? Which is controlling our community, parking lots locked up. Do the Muslim understand that? We flood on Fridays, but we can't come to no rallies when a brother and sister been shot down. Do the Hebrews know, know this? So I'm saying that the same forces that he used to divide then is now increasing because, like a strong brothers. And sisters that willing to stand up and tell the truth. And I end this conversation by saying this: Sometimes you're gonna walk and you're gonna feel alone, but you're not alone. You with with the Creator, uh, the heaven and earth, and everything in between, and you with your ancestors. I'm a panther. I wear my panther button every day I leave out the house. And people ask me why you wear the panther button. When I became a black panther, nineteen. Now I still got Conrad's in prison. I don't hear nobody talk about them. Talk about I'm a parent. We got pastors that have been murdered. We got LA fighters that can't even come into this country. And to, yeah. yeah, to recognize our flank, then the people begin to recognize us. We walk out and we telling everybody uh, everything new. Ain't goddamn nothing new, man. The sun ain't okay. new. The moon ain't new. Yeah. The stars ain't new, the earth ain't new, and our movement ain't new. We call ourselves the new this and the new that. Negro, please. This is a continuation well, what, of well, our well, that's the whole. I think that that's the whole thing, too, man. Let me jump in here with you. <clears throat> you know, but that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the black disconnect. You know, um... What's 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 stopping like the whole flow of the continuation? What is gotten right. what has gotten us to as a people? Because we know what some of the problems are. You know, one thing we talk about religion, if, the, if let's throw it on the table. Let's be honest about it. Is religion divisive? Is it causing more of a divide? You know, yeah. um and we You say what? And it's war. These vices in our community 
this one thing that the government have not never, never, and he never will until like my brother was saying until we the republic uh came in and answered that with the five states. They're gonna always look at you and I as a threat to the internal security of America because they walk around there understanding the crime that were committed and that if we ever unite, Malcolm was assassinated, not so much because of Elijah Muhammad, yeah. because he said, let's take our problem to the world nation. To the God world nation. So they, they don't thing. want the unification of that. So that's when no. some of the solutions we have to start being uh, solution-oriented. You know, let's go yeah. to these phone lines. Let's, okay. let's go to our phone lines here. We got somebody Seven five seven four five six one. Your mic is open. Yo, can you hear me? Yeah, yes, I can. Sir. Peace, good brother. This is your brother Obasi. What's going on, brother Obasi? What's the business, oh, man? Hey, what's good, warrior? I'm uh, number one. I'm just honored to be on the show and just listen to you, man. It's good to hear good talk. And um, uh, <clears throat> you know, for what it's worth, I won't say it like this. Uh, because we touched on so many things that that, that already we touched on, but I'm gonna say what's the one of the disconnects. Okay, let's go back to when you talked about uh, cultural identity. Let, let's do this. Mm-hmm. We have mm-hmm. this escape escapism that we're dealing with, and when I say this escapism, okay, let's look at something new and crazy that we have going on. We have this mm-hmm. entire Aboriginal Indigenous movement. Yeah. When yeah. We are we are, we are we are everything as a people. We are the Moors. We are the the we are the Indians. We are the Africans. We are all of these things, but we were African first. So Wait, here's so. the thing that, in one of my opinions, here's the thing that causes a division. We can't see that we are the all of these things. We just like we have to be one or the other. Oh, you gotta be. You have to be a more. There's nothing else to it. You have to be a Hebrew. We. Why do we try to marginalize each other so much and say, well, you this, and since you're not this, and you know, speaking on that indigenous movement, when we listen at the venom that comes behind it, they talk right. about Africa in such a nasty way. We ain't mm-hmm. them people. Them people ain't us. I mean, and like the like the oh the warrior said before me, that Holocaust that we went through. How dare you say, um, those ain't my people? Or how dare you talk about those ancestors in that fashion when they went through the same hell that we're still going through? But they went through it, in my opinion, ten times worse. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Also. Also, I think we don't see each other as brother and sister anymore because because of those things that the elder was speaking on that we've had so many groups. I always say, Brother Yanga, that it's a gift and a curse that we were, we were blessed to have the Honorable Khalid Muhammad, uh, Baba mm-hmm. Malcolm X, uh, all of these things. But it's also a curse because because of the beautiful jewels they left. It's like there's that fight again. They're like, well, no, this way is right. Well, no, this way is right. No, this way is right. Instead of understanding how to use all of them, that's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one of the things, man, that we say, Abasi, and you're going to have that problem. I think that the 
the thing that us as African people in America have to come to understand and accept is we're not a monolithic people, meaning we are diverse people. We are not all one people. We don't all eat the same foods. We don't all think the same. We don't all uh, listen to the same music, enjoy the same television programs, if we watch television at all. So we are a diversified people. One thing we do have in common is the treatment we receive by a racist, oppressive government. We have that in common. Right. I don't think that any person of African descent can refute that. So I would say not taking away from your whole Moorish identity, but, you know, the, the whole thing is I even tell them I can understand why you're being divisive. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be the, really, really honestly, listen, nobody mm-hmm. wants to be the nigger. Nobody wants to be the nigger. The nigger will create a nigger. We have been doodled upon, spat upon, peed upon, oppressed, exploited. You name it, it has happened to the descendants of African people right here in America. So what we do, we run from that experience. We run from that shame of it, if, you know, for lack of better words. You know, instead of turning our tragedy into a triumph, it becomes a shame and a burden we bear. So we run to other things. We become black Hebrews. That is not us. We never was known. Mm-hmm. Those people aren't us. You know, we the people in the Bible. Or we become, you know, like you said, Moors, indigenous, aboriginous, aboriginal, whatever. You know, we were here first. We before the Mayflower, brother. We did anything to be removed from that. And not only do we distance ourselves mm-hmm. from that, we take on the colonist mindset. We take on our oppressor's mind state to not only distance ourselves from it, but have the audacity to look down on a brother who or a sister who looks exactly like you with a sense of supremacy and arrogance. Could I cut just in like a minute? you're a colonizer, just like your oppressor. You're, because this brother or sister hasn't accepted your Egyptian comedic ways or your Moorish understanding or whatever lofty and grandiose uh, thing you have declared yourself, you have the audacity to look down, peek down on this brother or sister because they haven't accepted your way. You see what I'm saying? This is the this is the dangers of this, and 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 then and and, and I'm gonna let you share right there in one second, Chairman Carter. Ended with this in my conclusion. That's the danger of it. So what? Black nationalism is saying, brother Obasi, is saying that we have uh, a common threat against us, a common obstacle, a common mm-hmm. obstruction a thing that hinders us from being, from practicing, and having the liberties and freedoms to celebrate those diversities, if I, if I want to, as long as it's not detrimental, destructive to the African communal way, the community. But to be free in my diversity, we understand that we all have that same entity, that same thing stopping us from doing that. So it's only... Rational and logical Only a insane people Would work to their detriment And that's what we do We work <laughs> against our healing mm-hmm. We suffer from insanity But listen I could go on and on Let me. I know uh, Chairman Carl wanted to Add to uh, this and I don't want to forget his point Chairman 
Okay, yeah, uh, one is that uh, that's why it's so important when uh, uh, the conversation opened up earlier and the uh, the comrade with Brown Murray and you and uh, other comrades who get black nationalism is just, 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 uh, just means something that is simple, that uh, the creed the creed is different, not that we despise one another, but that know each other. But just happening on the white supremacist, we are being despised. The Republican Party, let me tell you something about them. The Democratic Party hung thousands of black folks. They were called the Dixiecrats. Mm-hmm. And the other word, we're not telling black folks, the white folks retained themselves to the Democrat, Freedom Now Party, any party, but they're still going to hold white nationalism. Mm-hmm. We have movements now that uh, uh, integrated us, uh, uh, the socialist movement, Black Lives Matter, all this. Every movement mm-hmm. that we see, and I want to hear a comment on it, every move we get in, why do that all these movements, other than the Black Nationalist movement, white folks got to speak for our direction? And I'm going to tell you, so Black Lives Matter, my mama knew when her and my daddy got together and they gave birth to me, nourished me, fed me, and made sure that I went to a school that taught me before they integrated me, Black Lives Matter. So why do we get in a situation where white folks feel that they have to run and lead everything because even the most liberal white person is a white nationalist. They would not back and let any white folks be dealt with the way that you and I be dealt with. That white boy went in that school and shot up all the white kids. Now they got a gun law going down and white folks is Killing each other with drugs, man. When we was on the street corner shooting each other, nothing was said. Yeah, when it wasn't no, wasn't no problem. Chairman Carr, yes. Let, let me go to the because we running on our time too. Let me go to our phone line. You want to keep it? I'm sorry to interrupt your flow. Oh, uh, no, go ahead. Yeah, let's make sure I'm we get out. I'm just happy that the uh, you know that we back on there, man. So I'm, I'm like a little child right now. I'm happy. Okay. Six six one nine 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 seven nine. Your mic is open. How proud of people, Chairman? This is uh National Chief of Staff for the war. How proud of people, what's National up, Chief? All right. Hey, I just kind of want to throw it out there, and I just want our listening audience to be more um, astute and more aware. And I would like someone to call in that's willing to address the aspect of really going back to the point that we that we're talking about. And what that is is the disconnect and dealing with. How are we as a movement, what, we, what can we do to address the ways to go about making this movement viable, dealing with the fact that we're talking about creating, either dealing with nation state, we're talking about creating in, in community empowerment and black empowerment. In order to do these things in this modern day time, now I don't mean no disrespect to what Brother Kahal is saying when he's saying nothing new under the sun, the deal is, is when you when you think about warfare and you think about strategy and tactics as as it applies to toppling government, as it applies to keeping um, people disenfranchised, keeping people oppressed, it's the application. We all understand and know and aware of the fact that oppression exists, but the applications and the way things are deployed is what becomes new. Not that it's actually new under the sun, so to speak, but what happens is mm-hmm. different different time yeah. periods. 
different mixes yeah. of, of, of levels of technology, different mixes of people, different mixes of, of social activity or political positions create a, a, a basically a complex cocktail to where certain things will work now that may not have worked in the past or certain things will be deployed now that wasn't deployed in the past. When you go back into the, the 60s and, and even before that, the deal is, is, is since the African has existed prior, uh, uh, ever since the, the, the colonizer of the European has been on this continent, since we have been on this continent, the African continent, any continent where we didn't have their direct involvement, basically we were in, we were in power. We knew what empowerment was. But since they have came anywhere where we were and established their way of life, it's always been destroying everybody else's way of life, not co-mingling and coinciding with, with what's naturally going on, but to destroy in order for them to build. Now, mm-hmm. what we dealt with on up until the late 60s and early 70s is we dealt with things from a perspective of segregation. By dealing with segregation, we were forced to work with one another. We were forced to be in a position where all elements of our society were working together one way or another, because we did not have an option. We didn't have a choice to be able to do it any other way. So, therefore, we had empowered communities. We had black, black Wall Streets. We had black uh, power structures because we had no choice. We could not assimilate. Ever since the assimilation came about, the deal is mm-hmm. so assimilation came about, now we have a whole different um, basically mix of ways that we have to go about this. So we do have to have a new way of addressing the same, the same problems that we've, we've always dealt with, which is levels of oppression. But we cannot have the same approach because we don't have the same mix of people. We don't have the same mix of demographic. Now we're all scattered everywhere. And being that we're scattered everywhere and being it in this modern-day society, now the world social media has taken on the level that it is taken on, it has also changed the dynamics of the, of, of the way people communicate with themselves globally. So our levels of communication and the way we communicate is different. We're in the information age now. This is information overload age. So we're dealing with information overload. And we're also dealing with a with that's let's let's take this to a step deeper now. Like our people to think about this, we're dealing with um, infra, uh, we're dealing with artificial intelligence and al- algorithms that are deployed to determine people's human behavior patterns and predict and, and deal with predictive data. So therefore, when we are so wrapped up and so involved in the social media uh, formats. You have computer systems that are basically able to predict our behavior as a as a people, not only black but just all of humanity. So the whole name of the game is changing. Our behavior patterns mm. are being mapped out, and as our behavior patterns are mapped out, they interject certain things, and they and, and they can pretty much predict the response. So from that, that standpoint, or, so from that standpoint. Based on the things that we're dealing with, we have to be able to reconsolidate our forces, but do it in such a manner to where it can address things in our modern-day time. The problem is a lot of time with the pro-black movement that we're dealing with, the disconnect is those people that want to participate typically are because mm-hmm. they're oppressed and they finally realize what's going on. Mm-hmm. A lot of times mm-hmm. when we finally realize what's going on is because, that we're, it's because we have a lack of resources. And so, therefore, we mm-hmm. want 
to be able to make things better. Those lack of resources, a lot of times, nine times out of ten, also apply to our academic levels and our educational but you know levels. What, though? And I and, and you, I go ahead, bro. I'm sorry, brother, but you know what though? I, I, and you're right though. A lot of times, those people that may want to participate on that level, but I'm I'm finding, man, as I travel through, you got people who want to who are at the very least, you know, and I don't even really, really like this word conscious, but at the very least who are conscious of their plight as black people here in America and want to contribute to the empowerment of black people, but don't find themselves, when you come with something like the Panthers or some, you know, some of the jargon or the language you use, I don't know what it is, but they don't see themselves in that. They don't see themselves in their place as, you know, being a revolutionary, so to speak. What that, I would say that still kind of goes back to the, what I say when I refer back to the governmental and, and the dynamics of socialism and, and social environment and social engineering now. Because mm-hmm. the deal is, is, is we are so far disconnected from the concept of being empowered that, it, that, that in itself is foreign. It's, it's, a foreign, it's a foreign concept. So those people that okay. want to be involved want to be involved because they understand that they will be oppressed as a people. They understand that something must change. Otherwise, we are headed toward the path of extinction, period, yeah. one way or another. They're doing this also through, through the DNA if people are not, are not hip to the game. And like I said, there's a lot of things that are going on to where they, we can be singled out and we can be eliminated at will. That's something going on. Go ahead, Chairman Carl. You want but to we, say that? Yeah. Uh, uh, one, that's uh, one of the things that I understand, the technology that they're using, using Vietnam, and they're saying that the Vietnamese were not going to win, and they won in China. We don't went to Facebook to not in your face. How many times do you see on the streets today in the face of the brothers? How many times do you see walking down the street and giving a good word to the brother? See, I'm looking at a spiritual relationship with the Panthers that we had back in the 60s. How many brothers walked the street with flyers? No. Mm-hmm. You don't have no flyers. You don't even see Muhammad speak out there no more. I'm saying that we let, we let this technology, and he using the technology, to do what he's doing, but back yeah, in the I agree. City. I agree. I agree with you, brother Carl, and that's part of the problem. I'm trying to get people to address from the dynamic situation is that through social media and through this information overload, it is causing our people to be mentally lazy because the computer systems are taking over, basically right. doing the footwork that we would normally do. You have iPads, you have you have all this stuff that that basically creates a condition to where the majority of our people are preoccupied with mm-hmm. with the, the means of technology, and so therefore mm-hmm. when we call oh, ourselves no. connecting, we are connecting right. through social media, which is a, a which is a false connection, which is a virtual yeah. world which is controlled, again, through analytics that, that are designed to manipulate and determine your next and every move. We have to mm. get back. Going back to one of the things you said, we do have to get back to being able to be one-on-one. We do have to get back to being out in the community. Dealing with this modern, this modern, um, the modern people, the young, the youth right now, how do we come up with a way, and this is what I was putting out to the listeners, how do we come up with a way to address these disconnects? How do we get our people wanting to be back active in their lives? 
versus being active in a virtual environment versus this facade that they mm-hmm. constantly put on. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. We, we're growing up with a whole new generation who has a, an, an entirely different outlook on we make, physical, physical connections unless it's dealing absolutely. with entertainment. Absolutely. We, we, we make ourselves available. That's we right. make ourselves available. The bottom That's line, right. we haven't made ourselves available. We haven't, and my mouth is closer to my ear. I, we we I don't agree with that. We don't unplug. We don't set time aside for that real life interaction and human connection. With starting with our family, we don't unplug. We like you said, laptop, phone, business, this and that. So availability. Secondly, in our organizations. This is one of the reasons we say at the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination that the once-a-week meetings are mandatory. Why? It fosters, it creates social interaction that fosters camaraderie and brotherhood. To be able to physically lay eyes on your brother or sister, to shake their hand, to give them that hug, to really be able to see if they're physically okay, you know, especially in your locale. So we're going to have to start back with the very basics, the very Fred Flintstone, the ABCs of um, being endearing ourselves and integrating ourselves again back to the masses, of, back to the community. And that starts is going to start with building, I think, the, the, the fraternity and sorority, the brotherhood and sisterhood amongst party members first. You know, I, a lot of times, and we're talking about this black disconnect, I think one of the things is, um, as party members and, and people in parties and these progressive organizations, we take on the save the world mentality. We're ready to get out there and we're ready to show people how if they live a better life, if they do our plan of A, B, and C, uh, then their life will be better. We're so ready to do that and not really have begin those practices with ourselves. I'm not even saying perfect the practices. I'm saying have begun to enact the practices right there among, in ourselves, you know, and, and in our party. We have to be brothers and sisters to one another, and then I think that that will also in itself have an allure and have an appeal, and it's going to bring a certain class of people, a certain caliber. I don't like the word class. A certain caliber of people to the party that we can then begin to spread that sunshine throughout, <laughs> for lack of better words. But that's what it's going to take, and it's going to be a tedious process. But the first step is availability. I miss being in, I'm going to tell you what I miss. One of the biggest things I miss uh, being in, about being in Jersey, man, is the Liberating Young Minds program, the LYM program, the Liberating Young Minds program. You know, because it was that everybody unplugged from the children to the adults. And just that whole social interaction and begin to foster, man, my little dude, I had a little dude end up being crazy about me. I liked him so much. When I put him on Facebook, people thought he was my son. You know, hmm. just that energy, we vibe like that. So being able to make yourself available and to uh, be able to provide that human contact, that's the place. The revolution is very personal. Right. You know, and this well, is what this is this is what the people, this is what the connect, that's what the whole word connect means, to feel an attachment to, a, one, a oneness with. 
That's what the connection. It has to be personal. Black nationalism, revolutionary black nationalism, pan-Africanism, as an understanding of philosophy, as an action, has to be very personal to the person that you're delivering it to. It's not, you know, it shouldn't be mass-produced. I don't like mass-produced yeah. black nationalism. I don't like yeah. the Facebook black. The brother gets out there and wants to sound like Farrakhan. Farrakhan can sound like Farrakhan because he personalized Farrakhan's style. You see what I'm saying? But the brothers want to get out there and mass produce it. No, when you're talking, when you get a soldier, this is how you know a soldier's locked in, especially in the beginning when they found there wasn't a connect. You're finding that brother, sister, they didn't have that connection. But when they get it, when it's been served to them in a personal manner, when they see the effect on their family, when they see where their family fits in, and then um, they can start to see it, and they see it in other families where you're trying to enact it in your family. You're sharing some of the same difficulties and obstacles that they're facing, and y'all trying to get it together, and they realize this brother or sister is doing the same, and they start to see it like little blinking blops on the map of, of African people in America. Um, they see that it's more we, there's more of us than we thought. And if we come together, we can begin to formulate a plan and take control of this thing. Some Chairman Kahar came up with, I said, man, this, that's a new slogan, and I had to give it to Chairman Kahar. He came up with it earlier today when he and I were talking. He said, information, organization, formation, then liberation. Yeah. The information. You want to break that down, Chairman Kahar? Yeah. Let me speak uh, a little bit on that. Information is very important. Uh, we raise up our children in terms of information, how to go to school, which way to school. Information then comes into organization. That means your life now is organized. Now your formation, you don't need mom and dad around. You know where to go. And liberation is now you raising your own children and giving them the information that has been given to you. Right on. So that's that's where that's where we're at. That's where black nationalism has to go. And we're gonna have to you know what? We know this social media is a beast. We've screamed it all out last year, we've been screaming about the beast of it. Now we're gonna have I'm I don't even know if utilize is the best word, but it's here. And it's a part of it. But along with it we have to offer the meat. We understand that it's fluff, that it's just sensationalism. That it's all glitz and glamour. It's fault. It's fault. Yes. I definitely want to go back and uh, rewind back on something you said. Um, with, uh, like, because what the brother is saying, like, we do have to look at, like, okay, what is it that, the, when, when we're talking about helping the youth, what is it that the youth feel like they're connected to? And the reason I say that is because, okay, like you said, we have strong understandings of, Black nationalism, that's because we were really taught by great elders, and no disrespect to anybody else that's not, but nowadays we get caught up in, the, like you said, the sensationalism, as I like to call it, the intellectually masturbating, where everything is a debate, everything is a debate where we have we have young, young warriors that have knowledge, but the knowledge is displaced because they're using it to bang on each other, so they're not like 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 you said. We're not being personal with the youth. Everything is interacting on the um on the internet. We're not personally grabbing them and teaching them and saying, right. "No, young brother, black nationalism is this or black nationalism is that." We are leaving it up to the Google babies and to the scholars, uh, the so-called scholars, to to teach them. 
But yeah, you know, and we are. But there's somewhere, here's what we have to understand. Yes, they're learning off the internet and they're getting these Google scholars, but they still socialize. Young That's people right. still come together and socialize or they wouldn't be killing one another. They still come run on. across one another. You see what I'm saying? So there's still socialization taking place. The problem Gee. is is that we have um, become starting to become just where we want to be scholarly, and we're not in the social mix. We're not in the mix of the social socializing process, and that's what we have to get in. That's what we have to get in the mix. If you got, if you got a brother or a sister that you work with, my philosophy: what I do, uh, what I do is I usually, you know, I identify with a young brother or whatever, and just start to get one and mentor one, and you know, send them back out there. But it's all about it's all about that socializing. You know, we're going to have to get into socializing. We're going to have to get into mix of social. I'm sorry, I'm trying to multitask and got thrown. That's the, that's the first thing. Secondly, we're talking about the connectedness of the youth. You're right. I agree with what you're saying, Abbasi. We have one of the things I look at, and especially when we're talking about the youth, me being, shoot, I'm 45. So we talk about these young people going off, you know, that we didn't create the environment or disseminate the information or pass down the information that was given to us that made black nationalism, that gave us a sense of national and cultural pride, um, you know, just made it a part of our everyday existence and our upbringing. We didn't pass that to the generations coming after us. So that's a foreign concept. They think when we talk about black nationalism or the red, black, and green, that it's a hobby, that it's an option, that they can be – on, you know, I'm on my conscience today, I'm on my black power today, today I'm not on that, I'm on my <laughs> nigga. I've heard him say that. You know, now today I'm on my nigga, I ain't on that black power today. Like, you really have a, a choice. So we haven't conveyed that. But one of the things we have to convey is the connectedness is to your ancestors. The fact that you think right. that you have a right to say what you don't want to do or what you are, aren't going to do, what you will do and won't do, is the fact that you think you have that right is you have to revere and honor your ancestors. That's the connectedness. We have, they have to understand that they have an obligation to propel our race forward. It doesn't mean you have to be a scholar of all the black facts. The revolutionary is not a scholar of all the black facts, but it does mean that you have to be responsible for your family and your children, the maintenance and the upkeep. And once that's at a level of maintenance, then that responsibility is extended to your neighbor and your community, or at least to your brotherhood or organization that you belong to. That same level of devotion, commitment, loyalty, sacrifice economically and blood if necessary. This is what black nationalism promotes, that I make this oath um, for my people. So our people have to have, but, you know, what What makes our people want to be connected to that? And what makes your people want to be connected to the ancestors, connected to other brothers and sisters, is when they begin to see it affect the change in their day-to-day life. Hey, Yank. Yes. And it's, uh, one of the things is that we have to remember, when we came from our mother wounds oh, and to this neo colonial so called slave 
situation, I we didn't come it. out revolutionary. We didn't come out uh, African. Something hit us. Something moved us. And we have to look at that that moved us and hit us, and we have to share that with the youth. Right now, you come on my street, three or four blocks, you got some, you got some trouble going on. And all I do is just walk, clean, That's right. speak, how you doing, to the elders, how you doing, mama, to the young women, how you doing, so mm-hmm. they have a best day, to the children. See, mm-hmm. it ain't talking about black power. It's just showing how we came up doing that slave plantation where the community was a community. So we and, and that's what we're trying to mm. get back to that connectedness. Let me go to yeah. these phone lines, and I'm sorry for cutting you off, um, Chairman Carr. No, I'm going to no, go no, to you. So we're coming on our last 25 minutes. Your mic is area code 832-6151. Your mic is open. Blessings, Honorable Chairman. This is Brother Blessings, James from the Austin Chapter. All power, yes, black Chairman. power to the people. Yeah, all power to the people, um, black power. What's all power Chairman? to the people. Yes, I just sir. want to chime in with the Honorable uh, Chairman was saying for as uh, connected with the ancestors. I think, you know, it's all about self-purpose uh, and vision. I think once you embrace who you are and where you are, I think that, you know, those spirits transcend and motivate you, encourage you uh, that, that we can overcome uh, through their battles. And uh, like the Honorable Chairman said, I think that's what must, must, must motivate us uh, in the times of transition, even when it seems like, uh, those that we're trying to awaken uh, is fighting against us. And I think that's what we're facing. But uh, us having a higher understanding and a, and a higher awakening, uh, we understand what state of mind they're in uh, because because of our forefather, because of our ancestors. So, uh, Honorable Chairman, I was just chiming in and adding on to uh, what you said, sir. Uh, black power, all power to the people, my brothers and sisters, nationwide. Black power that's, and all power to the people, man. We're glad you did, uh, Austin, man. Yeah, uh, uh, chairman out of Austin, that's what's up. You were yeah, saying uh, something, Chairman Carter? Yeah, uh, quickly, yeah. that's where it's the saying of our ancestors, a farmer who plants a seed, it guaranteed that if he don't live to eat from his children, his yeah. generation would. Those who do mm-hmm. not plant a seed is guaranteed that it's starvation. This why the radio program and every yes. other information we plant yes. a seed, and that seed gonna right. be dropped. God planted the seed on us. Malcolm True. planted the seed on us. Elijah, Nova Ali, I can go through all. They plant a seed, and look what he got, and look what they got, including the sister. Look what they got. They got you. But if we don't drop the seed, ain't nothing. And this why this radio program is so important. We drop right. the seed, and we're going to crop it because Donald Trump is giving us a lot of manure, and so we got to be some real strong farmers <laughs> now we got to crop the seed because right. there's a lot of shit out there. Let me jump in if yes, I can. Um, I want to go back to what, 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 what the generation of the third development in terms of what they were dealing with with the social right. programs. Right. Basically, they had survival programs. The idea of the survival programs was to cause – to allow us to come together and deal with the things that we need so that we can give the people 
what what because what they wanted so we can give the people what they need. So we had to deal with the basic necessities. Once people's bellies were full, once they have decent jobs to where they can you know they, they can move around and they can put roof and, and, and shelter and have clothing, then they were in a position to where now we can start educating them and informing them going back to the path that Kahar was talking about by putting providing them the, the, the right information and the right knowledge yes. so that they can advance themselves. So if you recall, this is one of the things that we have to get back to. The reason why we have to get back to the, the, these things is because what they do is they cause, they force us to come together. They force us to physically be face-to-face and reconnect. Once we are face-to-face and we reconnect with the community, then we are no longer an alien to the community. Right now, the black power movement is a foreign element within our own yeah. black communities. So yeah. we have to find we have to find modern things that our people need and want and deal with those. And as we deal with those, we get back to the position of where now our people are ready to be taught and advance in their academics, advance in their levels of knowledge. And as we advance, yes, what sir. we need to do is we have to take the survival programs and now formulate what what is referred to as living programs. Living programs or empowerment programs. These are the things that would get us to where we need to go. And I want to I, and I want to say this one a, a element of that: initiating, planning, executing, monitor, control, and closing. Now, why I say that? I say that because in this day in society, with us having information overload again, I got to refer back to that. It's so easy for people to reach out and grab information right then and there. It's so it becomes so instant there is not a process involved. By, um, that causes us to be mentally lazy. When you're mentally lazy and then you're physically lazy because you don't have to actually get up and go to a library no more and figure this stuff out, but right. you got it right there in front of you, all these things come together. And you become mentally lazy, physically lazy, and then obviously that's going to spill over to spiritual laziness, which is the core of it. So we have to address things in the perspective that they're happening. We have to get our people back to the process of completing something, back to the process of, of, mm-hmm. of taking something right, from, right. Element, from, from the first element right. all the way through. So we also have to interject right. the curriculum within our people in our society to say, hey, this is how we advance this black power movement. Step one is this. Step two is this. And one of the things that is disconnected is that process. Why? Because as our communities assimilated, those people that knew how to run the, uh, right. the, 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 the clinics, that knew how to, to provide our people legal assistance, that knew how to run black right. owned banks, right. all that was right, right there in our community. So I can walk up the street right. and I'm going to see that banker. I can walk up the street and I'm going to see that doctor. You don't have that anymore. So mm-hmm. the people that have the blueprints left the community with the blueprints. So we mm-hmm. have to re-interject the process back into the minds of the average person because the disconnect is a mental, physical, and spiritual disconnect, and our people and us are foreign to one another. We are literally across. We are literally on the other side of the room, and they staring at us like we like we some some alien from outer space. When we talk about black well, power, I, you know what you said a key. You said a key. You said something that was key. You know, in the introduction right. of classism into our struggle, that introduction of yes. in, of the separation of the economic classes. Because, like you said, at one point in time, you know, African communalism was the order of the day. We lived in the community. You said, I, I love that. That was the perfect analogy. You could walk down the street and see the black banker, to see the black doctor, the black butcher baker, or the candlestick maker. 
right. the black professional live next to the black laborer who live next to the brother or sister right. who happens right. to might just right. not be in, in, employed at all. You know what I'm saying? So we're right. all in that mix. Now, with that divide, with assimilation, with integration, and then our assimilating into the uh, culture and the lifestyle of our oppressor, um, we decolonize people, even though they're not politicized, to revolutionary politics, oppression has innately bred something in them, has taught them to innately hate the culture of their oppressor. I mean, it is just done... It's natural. It has become a natural phenomenon. So when we see, now we equate the black professional with assimilating or emulating the way or the lifestyle of the oppressor. And I think that that not only aids the disconnect, but creates a divide in the black community amongst the uh, economic class. Because you can talk to, listen, you were talking yes. to the proletariat, you talk to the working class or the, the lumping, the below the working class. I've heard some of the most radical solutions, revolutionary solutions, to, you know, tear it all down. You know, we just live in the woods in a tent. It don't matter, just complete anarchy. And when you're talking to the so-called intelligentsia or the black intellectual or the black professional, that's not very appealing. But at the same time, you have to be very careful because this is a person, these are people who have um, been indoctrinated and make their livelihood off the so-called system. But it doesn't make them bad people. But at the same time, when you start to build your own, you, you know, the, 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 the traits of neocolonialism will begin to sleep in because they've been trained by the oppressor. So then you can see why they don't feel their place in a so-called revolutionary movement. Man, listen, the obstacles we're facing as a people to get on one accord are huge. I think, though, one of the things I would love to see us, though, do is spend more time on solutions. I'd like for us, when we start to come around for next show, for us to have some solutions. Let's be... Let's go into this new, you know, this is the first, the radio program's back. I'm excited. I can see everyone's excited about it. I'm grateful and thankful to the Most High and to the listeners who have tuned back in, picked right back up, man, like they haven't missed a beat. That's what I'm talking about. Yes, sir. But, um, you know, I want us to be to go into it with a progressive mindset. I want us to go into this thing being solution-oriented, really being goal-focused. We want to come up with some ideas, and not just some outlandish, fantastic, romantic ideas. You know, we're the people's party. We have always been about the people. We've always been about making it practical and and digestible, you know, making it palatable, something the people will eat, you know, and come back. Let's have some real ideas that we can begin to enact. And for my brothers and sisters who tune in from the Atlanta area, you know, I'm offering an invite, an open invite, to submit your application or get with me. Check out the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination in any locale where your city is, where you have a representative. In fact, you can check us out. One way to check us out, we have a hotline number. It's 888-595-7277. Again, it's 888 888-595- 595 Seven two seven seven, 
or we can be reached by email at People's Black Panther Party at gmail dot com. That's people all lowercase, all lowercase. People's Black Panther Party at gmail dot com. Contact us. Let's look at participating and really get some things shaking. You know, we talk about the social media. We talk about the black disconnect. We talk about how, you know, our people aren't participating or how people just don't see themselves or we see ourselves in the movement at particular times. Now, here's an opportunity to really do something about it, to really be about that change that we're talking about and to come together in a think tank with some um, formal solutions and start trying to enact them, to put black nationalism and the black nationalist ideology back on the map because we have got some real hippie shit out there. Excuse my language, verbal alert. I know we have children listening. Excuse the language. We have had some far out there type of stuff, and it only acts as to serve as a distraction from the real goal of political, social, cultural, and economic advancements and empowerment and sustainability to really be independent, you know, or at the very least at this stage in the game to mount a a practical defense to slow down what's happening to us as a people. Because believe me, you look, it's gotten so bad. Don't think the treatment of black America has changed. The treatment of black America hasn't changed. Right. It's just that we have become so mute, so numb, right. so silent to the pain that it isn't broadcasted as much. The brown brother, like the brown beret brother came on the phone. The, the, the brown brothers, the Latino community, the Spanish community, I don't know, dude, whatever that brother said, community, um, have been so vocal in the suppression and oppression of them as yeah. a people that they're, that they're getting front page news with the immigration and the separation of families and this happening, that happening. They're getting front page news. Don't think that the treatment of us, that they've slacked on us, said, okay, we're going to stop whooping your ass for a little while and whoop their ass. No, it's just not being, we're just not getting the attention anymore because we're not working as a conservative front. We're not together. So we talk about the problem. And I hear us when we talk about the problems, and I think that all of them were very sound problems. Now we need to become, we need to jump on, like I said, at the risk of sounding redundant, jump on the solution orientation bus. Let's begin to enact some of these programs. Let's start the socialization process that will, you know, even if it starts with a a small group, in our language what we call a cadre, so that it can start to spread as an organization. But so black order nationalism the, has to be the order of the day. Yes, the order of the day, Chairman, infrastructure. Yes. We want people, we want our listeners to come in and be willing to work toward building, the, uh, coming together on the table for solutions, building yes. infrastructure. When it's all said and done, when you deal with the culture, economic, political, and, and, and um, elements and social elements, you're talking about infrastructure. It's all about infrastructure. We must build. We must develop. And we must grow. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to put it in a simple uh, context, we have to outpace the pace of oppression. As long as yeah. we are not yeah. outpacing the pace of oppression, yeah. then we will continue to be more and more oppressed. 
And as long as right now yeah. that we stay, we are in a state of victimization, we are numb to the fact that we are, that oppression has not slacked off. We numb mm-hmm. to the fact. I'm sorry, not slacked yeah. off, but yeah. has continued. Yeah. We numb to the fact that we things are not has not changed. Right. And right. so that's part of their plan as well is to keep us numb because that goes right back to what was you know was laid out dealing with the Cointel Pro. Do not allow the sleeping giants to wake. So they, they keep yeah. us numb. And they keep no. us numb mentally, physically, and spiritually. As long as we numb, they can carry out their agenda. So, yeah, just like you said, people tend to think that they not focus, that the focus is not on constantly deteriorating us. But the plan has been deployed. Like I was saying, it's about the application. What yeah, classifies the application, the application of destroying us. By by nullifying our, menta- our mentalities, by nullifying us wanting to come together. So the order of the day is building infrastructure. You know. What we're going to do Absolutely. on this program is we want people to come to the table. We want people to call in and talk about the things that are going to build us up. One of the things I, exactly. I want to make sure we don't deal with is going when you, we talk about the intelligente. The deal is, is people get on and they mental masturbate about spitting facts. We want people right, to come right. on, and we want people to speak concepts of developing production, means of production. Exactly. You don't hear people exactly. on Facebook going, going off on means of production. They'll talk about what they know, not what can be built, not what can be produced, and not how to produce it, how to build it, and how you can be in, involved in this building yeah. of an infrastructure and a better way of life. This is what we exactly. want. Exactly. When we go in that direction, there is no mental masturbation. When we go in that direction, it's all about everybody being involved. It's all about dealing with all elements of of our walk of life. No isolation. No behaviors. I'm going to go to the uh, phone lines real quick because we're coming down in our uh, last eight minutes. 314-4644. Your mic is open. Hello? Yes, three one four four six four. Yeah, this is I'm coming from the Midwest. This is Pianchi. The gentleman that was talking now, I agree with what he said when he made this uh point that you're talking about even if it's a small number. Mm-hmm. Because this is how yeah. things start. This stuff yeah. where I hear people saying that all blacks need to come together and all this stuff. Well, you know, I've been listening to that for a long time. That's just not gonna have no ethnic group. Where all people, but what he said is that if you if it's something that needs to be done, then go ahead and do it. And yeah. uh, if it's something that people see and like, guess what? Then they will come join on. But that's a good point you made. Hey, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, sir. Hey, yeah, yeah. Let me just end this by saying this. Uh, I'm still on there, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. One of the things is counterintelligence program, which is government program that still exists today. There's a Hoover under the uh, leadership of the Federal, uh, Federal Bureau of Investigation before it was an organized investigation that we must start the unification of black national organization, and we must start the rise of a black messiah generation. 
I want to put that down there, everybody know. They job yeah. is the unification of black national organization about the rise of a black messiah generation. This is why right. the work, why we see it, and I see it. Information, first you got to get it. Organization, if you ain't organized, that's why you got your organs. If you organize together, you retarded. You walking it, you boo-boo, you doing everything. Information, organization, formation. And now your body taking formation and liberation. Now it could be Muhammad Ali and getting a, a ring and knock somebody out because I got the information, I got the organization, I got the formation, and I got the liberation. Absolutely. And, you know, and we coming down in our our fight is internal, and the internal fight is that do we go to the people? Yes, we must go to the masses of people. The slogan back then was "All power to the people." To the people, we coming and, down. Look, Chairman Carr, we coming down in our last five minutes. Uh, okay, we did a, I just did an hour and a half in our last you know, five minutes, but you know you can catch us. We're going to be, but I want to say this, though, and this is what in a, in a couple minutes, and to be brief, this is why black nationalism, the ideology of black nationalism is a unifier, because black nationalism doesn't question your religion. It doesn't question your philosophy or stance in the, your place in the cosmos and universe. It doesn't say that all of us will come together as one collective mindset. What it says is that all of us will work together collectively for the betterment of black people. Even if you don't do it my way, I'm not telling the black Christian you have to do it my way. We're just saying the black church should work for the betterment of black people. Black people. Whatever that, however, whatever that looks at, and that's black nationalism. We know that no all people come together as one mindset and work so harmoniously together that they don't have discord or problems within their own ethnicity. I'm sure that happens. But the thing they do agree on, the thing that every people agree on, even America agrees on, is what is in the best interest of its people. And that's what black nationalism is stating. Let us do, let us spin, let us behave, let us speak, let us walk, let us talk, and, and uh, do the things that are in the best interest of African people here in America. It's, it's just that simple. I mean, to me, it really is a no-brainer. And if, unless we jump on that, we as a people will become extinct. Hey, Yang. Really? Yeah. Yang. We, we, we got, I got four, Chairman Carl, we got four minutes. I was just going to round it out and close it out. Uh, okay, hey, Yang, uh, we better be careful by saying black people in America because uh, this ain't America either. So, you know, I just want to yeah. drop that in. Uh, uh, let's yeah. move forward. You know, however, like I said, another is, is like some of the boss he was talking about earlier. We're talking about, man, we will find semantics to argue about any more than this and that and this. You know, I let those brothers, if they feel like, if they have the luxury and the time, and they think they really have, they've been afforded that, to sit there and argue those trivial matters, man, more power to them. You know what I'm saying? This is a matter of survival. I existed. Hangs in the balance here. This is not an over-exaggeration, even to where they're coming up with laws talking about black identity extremists, all these other things. Listen, I'm out of here. I appreciate everybody for coming in. Tuesdays next Tuesday, we'll have our whole full two hours. I'm your brother, 
National Chairman Yang and Kuma, People's Black Panther Party, Self-Determination. I um, want to thank, you know, our, definitely our National Chief of Staff, Brother War, for coming on, our National Minister of Justice for hooking us up and doing the thing. Now, um, I, you know, Brother Chairman Kahal representing, coming up out of Cleveland, um, uh, Panther Education Committee, thank you for and everybody that just called in and supported our first coming back. We'll see you next Tuesday. All powers to oppressed people, African power to an African people, and black power. Black power. All I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page. Only if I had one gun, one girl, and one crib, one God to show me how to do things as sun did pure. Like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip, I'll make a nigga flip. Writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm gonna body this hood politics, acknowledging. Leave bodies chopped up in garbages, seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us, police watch us, roll up and try knocking us. One knee, I duck, could it be my time is up with my luck? I got up, the cops shot again, bust stop glass burst, a fiend drops a Heineken, ricochet in between the spots that I'm hiding in, blacking out, I shoot back, fuck getting hit, this is my hood, I'm a rap to the death of it, so everybody come on, little niggas is grown, hood rats, don't abortion your wound, we need more warriors soon, shit from the stars, sun and the moon, and it's like a police chase, the street sweepers and coppers, sick up kids with no conscience, leaving victims with doctors, if you really think you're ready to die, Cause I'm a fool, nigga. Thought I wouldn't have that ass done. Who'd you 
think it's what you call an infinite brawl, eternal souls clashing. World gets deep, some beef is everlasting, complete with thick stars. Brothers knifing each other up in prison yards. Drama, where does it start? You know the block was ill as a youngster. Every night it was like a cop would be killed, body found in the dumpster. For real, a hustler purchased my range. Niggas throwing dirt on my name. Jealous cause fiends got their work to complain. Bitches left me cause they thought it was finished. Should've knew she wasn't true. She came to me when a man caught a sentence. Diamonds are blinded. I never make the same mistakes. Moving with a change of pace, light a load. See now the king is straight. Swelling my melon cause none of these niggas real hurt. They were telling police how can a kingpin squeal. This is crazy. I'm on the right track. I'm finally found. You need some soul searching. The time is now. All I need is one mic. All I need is one mic, one mic. That's all I ever needed in this world. Fuck cash. All I need is one mic, one mic. Fuck the cars, the jewelry. All I need is one mic, one mic. Spread my voice to the whole world. 